0: Please turn in your Bibles to uh, the letter of James in the New Testament. Letter of James, just after Hebrews. Over the last 18 months or so, I've just been dipping into James' various sermons throughout. Get to chapter 5 today, chapter 5, and a portion of Scripture from verses 7 through 11. Verses 7 through 11, chapter 5 of James Just read the text and pray briefly before we begin. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we gather together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, on this cold morning, uh, I pray that you would breathe upon us this morning. uh, Warm us uh, with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Warm us with your word. Melt uh, cold hearts and bring us to see Jesus and to love him. In his name I pray, amen. Please be seated. I heard a preacher tell a story once of a man who was out driving his car one day and he came to a red light on the road and he he stopped and another car came up behind him and the young man in the car behind started honking his horn. The man in front looked to see if he he knew him and realizing he didn't, he, he waved his arm in the air as if to tell him to stop honking, but the young man kept doing it. Finally, just before the the lights were about to turn green, the fellow in the first car got out and stormed up to the young man behind and banged on his window. The young man wound his window down to hear the words, if you ever honk again at me, I'll strangle you. Oh, I'm so sorry, sir, said the young man. It's just that the bumper sticker on the back of your car says, honk if you love Jesus. I just love Jesus, sir, so I honked. I'm sorry. Needless to say, the the first man slunk away in shame back to his car. It's an amusing story that perhaps asks a pointed question. How easily do we disgrace the name of Jesus with an outburst of our impatience? I don't think we're uh, very good at waiting, are we, nowadays? Golden oldies in here might remember the time that if you if you wanted information, you might ask someone else, or you had to go to the library and, and, and research it with book after book. And now you just click a button and it's Google and you've got it there instantly. Amazon Prime. Order it now, it's on your doorstep within hours. Back in the day, you had to wait a week to watch the next episode of your series, your favorite series. Now you just binge watch on Netflix in a few hours. Back in the day, it was more appropriate and seen appropriate to wait for sex before marriage. Not so now. But this is what this section in the letter of James is, is speaking about. Christian patience in suffering. Christian patience in suffering. Not an appearance of patience, you know, patience that seems to hold its tongue but inside it's raging. Or the appearance of patience that is too lazy to really care about the issue at hand. But Christian patience. The ability to wait with quietness of heart and soul in the face of painful circumstances and sit under difficult providences with a poise while passionately desiring a good outcome or a better day to come. To be able to take the pain of suffering and wait with stability for what you want. That's Christian patience. So James is actually returning here to the theme that he laid out in chapter one. You'll remember about various trials being part of the Christian life. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. In other words, meet trials and rejoice. That's the mindset. Trials are ordained by God for the good of the Christian. And what they do is they test and mature faith. Paul says the the same kind of thing. Do you remember? He says in Philippians, It has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe, in him, but also suffer for his sake. It has been granted. By whom? By God. Here is a trial. Along with your faith, here is a trial. It's a gift that grows your faith. Now, I think most of us in here, and certainly if you've been coming to this church for a long while you you might not need to be reminded that trials are part of the christian life uh, we're all experiencing enough of them to know that we might need a little reminder that god ultimately ordains our trials to strengthen our faith but i think what we definitely need to be reminded of is to be patient in trials because after hearing last week that the lord is your shepherd providing your every need in dark valleys and with enemies all around and that you have an overflowing cup, how long was it before you lost your temper and spoke in anger or started grumbling and complaining about someone in the family, someone in the church family, a teacher at school, your boss at work, or the government? How long after hearing that and all that God is for you, how long did it take? How were the patience levels in your homes this morning as you were preparing for church? What about uh, your reaction when the weather isn't what you like? When it's, a real di- it's cold, isn't it? Really cold. Or the dishwasher breaks down. Or you start that DIY project only to hit frustration after Frustration. That's why as many of you know, DIY means don't involve yourself to me because I think it reveals my impatience, right? So what I'm trying to say here is patience is needed in the small inconveniences in life as well as the big ones. So this is the great matter before us today. How do we grow in Christian patience? How do we grow in Christian patience? In his sermon entitled, The Pearl of Patience, Charles Spurgeon says, patience is a grace as difficult as it is necessary and as hard to come by as it is precious when it is gained. So friends, patience is vital and valuable, but it's difficult to gain. That's what he's summing up in that line. So how do you grow in patience? Well, James is about practical Christianity. Practical Christianity. So he's gonna help us here. He's a master pastor teacher. And he helps us to discern the pathway to patience here. I think he outlines three particular ways to grow in patience. It's in your outline. One, Christian patience grows by keeping Christ's coming in view two christian patience grows by considering patient sufferers in scripture and three christian patience grows by seeing the purpose of the lord that's i'm going to preach this this sermon but but i want you to see that there are key ingredients in this masterful teaching so children in here then pay attention and, and be alert when these ingredients come up in the sermon. Think of the sermon like a three parts, like, like, these, like a body, a head, a middle, and, and legs, okay? So that's the body, but, but these ingredients that come through, it's like the spine that goes through the body. They're woven through. They're the ingredients of instruction, motivation, illustration, warning, example, and purpose. Instruction, be patient. Motivation, the Lord is coming. Illustration, look at the farmer. Warning, the judge is standing at the door. Example, look at the prophets and Job. Purpose, the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So you see that spine will go through the body of the sermon. Before us today is, if you like, a master class from a master teacher on how to grow in patience. So first then, Christian patience grows by keeping Christ's coming in view. At the beginning, he says, at the beginning of the chapter, James has told that the rich, materialistic, oppressive landowners that the Lord has heard the cries of the oppressed and judgment is coming. Now, this is the first few verses of chapter 5. These are clearly not Christians he's speaking to. He, he doesn't use the term brothers with them. But now he turns to the brothers, and meaning the brothers and sisters, to Christians. Be patient, therefore, brothers, at the, until the coming of the Lord. Christians are in view here. The righteous, in verse 6, are forgiven by God, and they don't seek vengeance on their oppressors. Therefore, brothers, he says, in light of suffering, injustice, you're going to need patience. Now it's interesting this, this word for patience in the Greek is makrothumeo makrothumeo it's a compound of two words makros meaning we might, we think macro we would think large right it actually means long makros long and thumos meaning anger makrothumeo so to be patient is to be long to anger. Slow to anger, as James says in chapter 2. A Christian is to, if you like, be long-tempered. Long-tempered as opposed to what? Short-tempered. Now you all know the person who has a, a short fuse, a hothead, quick to retaliate. Red mist descends and vigilante mode sets in. These people are often very quick to correct and prove themselves right. And you'll notice that James tells these persecuted Christians who could be tempted to be short-tempered, be patient, be long-tempered. It is a command, not an option. It is an instruction. The thing is, if you are a Christian, patience should mark you. Why? Because it's the fruit of the Spirit. Do you remember in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. As opposed to works of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, and what? Fits of anger. Thumoi. It's the same Greek word as makes up that word for patience, makrothumio, long to anger. Instead of being long to anger, the worldly man is subject to fits of anger. Fits of anger. And this idea is conveyed in the qualifications of an elder in 1 Timothy 3, where he is to be non-violent What does the proverb tell us? Those who are hot-tempered stir up strife, but those who are slow to anger calm contention. So then a good indicator of a man's temperament in this respect and to see if he is worthy of being an elder is how he responds when he thinks that he's been wronged. Short-tempered people are fleshly, whilst long-tempered people are godly. So patience is a necessary fruit of the spirit. But how is is patience in suffering produced? How do you grow in long-temperedness in the face of hardship or injustice? By keeping your eye on Christ coming. That's how. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Mark this. The ability to be patient in suffering is directly related to to our ability to see the glory of the coming of Christ. The ability to be patient in suffering is directly related to our ability to see the glory of the coming of Christ. Brothers and sisters, the Christian life is lived backwards. In light of a glorious end, we patiently endure hardship now. The focus is on eternal glory with Jesus, not temporary trials or temporary comfort. If you get this, if you get this, you will begin to learn how to be patient. You must live in light of the next big event in history. What is it? It's the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's, an, it's next on the divine agenda. Yes, there are other things that must take place, but they are all working for that day when he returns do you see some of you are getting married this year you are now living in light of the wedding that's the next big date and you're scurrying around preparing for it aren't you but in the overall scheme of things for you as part of the church the bride of Christ the next big date is the return of the bridegroom are we preparing ourselves and living in light of that wedding of that day friends jesus is coming back jesus is coming back in fact he's the only guaranteed returning person remember the the famous um, terminator movies with arnold schwarzenegger right and you remember the line what he used to say i'll be back we often say it don't we oh i'll be back in a while or I'll see you back here next week. Church next week, I'll see you back here. But there's no guarantee we'll return. No guarantee. But from the book of Genesis, God promised that Jesus would come the first time when he promised the one who would bruise the head of the serpent. And Jesus did come. It's what we've just celebrated at Christmas, isn't it? God infleshed, born of a virgin, living and dying on a cross and being raised from death, thereby accomplishing redemption for all who would trust in him, then ascending into heaven, where he, he sits now at the right hand of God in what is called his heavenly session. And then he's to return one day to judge the living and the dead. And those who are found trusting in him will be saved to eternity with him in heaven. And those who are not found trusting in him will be condemned to eternal hell under the judgment of God. Jesus is coming back, friends. So you've got to live in light of eternal things or you're just going to simply be living for the here and now. If there's no such thing as as forever, Then it's about now, isn't it? Uh, My happiness and comfort now. Delayed gratification makes sense only if you see that everything today is moving us towards the coming of the Lord Jesus. Everything. So Christian patience grows by keeping Christ's coming in view. And so, in the way that Jesus. James's half-brother would have taught. James gives an illustration from the natural world. Jesus used to do that, didn't he? The natural world, a, a, a world that his listeners would have known very well, the world of the farmer and his crop, the world that many of us know very well. And you see what he says here. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. Here's an illustration. The farmer can wait patiently because it's not in vain. He can wait because he knows changes are taking place even if he can't see it yet. The farmer doesn't just plant his seed, look for immediate fruit, and when he doesn't get it, go home and bark at his wife. He knows the way that God has ordered the world and that there's a process that must take place and and there needs to be early and and late rains before harvest. And he knows that, that during the wait is when growth is happening under the surface. So patience, you see, friends, isn't about waiting in meaninglessness for the good stuff to happen. God transforms you in the waiting to bear the fruit of patience. You see that And I want you to notice something else. It's very important. Have a look. The fruit is precious, it says. So the farmer has the eye on precious fruit that's to come. Precious harvest. That's what grows patience in him. Because the crop is more precious to him than the trial of having to wait for it. You see that? The crop is more precious than the trial in waiting so the Christian has his or her eye on on the precious fruit of of patience that culminates in the precious appearing of Jesus so when someone offends you or you experience some inconvenience in your life this week think think in the moment God is working the precious fruit of patience into me as I wait and I don't seek revenge as I wait and I don't get frustrated. And that patience is making me more like Jesus my Lord and in light of an eternity with him when he comes and that will be perfected in me. This delay in my immediate happiness is nothing compared to when he comes. That's what you've got to think, you see, in, in the moment. It's what the Apostle Paul says, isn't it? You remember when he says, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for what? An eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So think about a difficult relationship that you've got at the moment. Trial, light, momentary. That's that difficult relationship compared to glory, weighty, eternal. This is... A trial that is light and momentary compared to what is to come. He's preparing me for that. So brothers and sisters, are you looking forward to the glory of Christ? The strength of your looking in your life to that will determine the strength of your patience. James says you can learn it from the farmer. He can wait patiently because he looks forward to the glory of the crop that will come. So when you're going through trials and disappointments you can patiently endure them because you know that God is producing a harvest in your life and it will climax in the glory of the coming of Jesus Christian patience grows by keeping Christ's coming in view and in real time which is God's time it's soon That's what James is saying, isn't it? Verse 8, you also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand or or the Lord is coming soon. So we we, we count time as long because we measure it by our calendar and not God's. Peter tells us though, with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. And then he goes on to say, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he's patient towards you. Oh, it's he that should be short-tempered with us, eh? Grumbling, sinful, moaning people. He gives us so much. He gives us breath in our lungs. He gives us even the ability to be here today and to hear his what he gives us so much it is he that should be short-tempered but oh how patient he is and he's coming soon the Lord Jesus is coming soon his words in revelation behold I'm coming soon and it will be glorious friends it's going to be glorious a sudden visible cosmic event and we don't have time to go into all the scriptures in the New Testament that explain this But there's one thing I want to point out to you about Jesus coming again. It's going to be very personal. Uh, Just listen to, to Luke chapter 12 and verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. This is Jesus, right, telling this. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. That is amazing. Have you ever thought about that? You have this cosmic event. Jesus comes again. Everyone sees it. And then he puts on a servant's towel, tells you to sit down, and personally waits on you. He never, ever stops being the giver, intimately giving you Personally giving you so much more than the world can give. Personally giving you so much more than what you feel you're lacking in your suffering today. It's that picture of spreading a table, right? He spreads a table now, he's spreading the table when he comes again. And then you see how this growth in patience through keeping Christ coming in view works its way into our personal relationships doesn't it because when we're experiencing trials we can tend to lash out at people around us you can all relate to that can't you something goes wrong and you lash out to the next person things don't go right at work and you come home and impatiently grumble against your wife and your kids The kids are playing up and you impatiently grumble against them and your husband. Someone sins against you, you impatiently grumble against them. And in those moments, you are far from being long-tempered, you're being short-tempered. But James says, look, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Do not grumble. James says. Instead, the inference is to be patient with each other. And what's the reason? What's the reason? The judge is standing at the door. Keep your eye on Jesus' return. And remember, although he returns as a loving saviour, he also returns as the judge. And he's coming soon, and he's close. Look, he's at the door. He's at the door, which means what? It means he can hear all of your grumbling. There's a picture there. The judge is at the door. He's telling them not to grumble. He can hear all of your grumbling. You're grumbling against another Christian, that critical spirit, that unwillingness to forgive, which is a condemning judgment against someone else for whom Jesus died. So Jesus says, doesn't he, in Matthew, judge not that you may not be judged. It's a serious sin because you're acting as judge over another, and that's Jesus' job. You're acting as God. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it like this, but every moment of grumbling is really against God, you know, even if it is first aimed towards people. Grumbling is a deeply theological issue, and it evidences a dissatisfaction with God. That's what it does. Oh, you'll remember, won't you? In the Old Testament, Israel, on the border of the promised land, you remember how the spies came back with a bad report of of the people in the promised land being too strong to overcome and, and that there were giants in the land. And the Israelites, what did they do? They grumbled, it says. They grumbled against Moses. But God says in the text, they ultimately grumble against God, and he calls them wicked people. Friends, it's easy to sing, it is well with my soul, and be grumbling against someone by the time you get home. But remember, when you grumble against someone, you always grumble against God. Adam blamed Eve in the garden, but he really blamed God. This woman, you gave me. Brothers and sisters, are you looking At the coming of Christ in the midst of your suffering the judge is at the door means he's close but it also means he's judge and he views grumbling as a major sin Jesus is judge and if you are an unrepentant grumbler you will find yourself under the condemnation of the judge at his coming so here's an exhortation to turn from grumbling as you look to the coming of Christ and be patient with one another. Practical here. How can a wife submit to and respect her husband when he's being harsh and unloving? How can a, a husband love and sacrifice for his wife when she's being disrespectful and unlovable. By looking to the coming of Christ, by knowing that there is something being done in the moment of that trouble and trial in your life, in your marriage, that is working Christ-like patience into you That will culminate in the coming of Christ this is temporary that's eternal that's practical if you're unmarried here how do you wait in your singleness for that spouse that you so desire by looking to the coming of Jesus by knowing he's producing patience in you in the wait christ-like character that will be culminated in the glory of his coming married to the bridegroom the true bridegroom forever so that if he brings you the spouse or he doesn't you're perfectly content and you're growing more patient that's eternal this is temporary that's how that's practical christianity i was speaking to someone earlier this week in the In the congregation and they were saying people say look to Christ we say that don't we look to Christ and it can be very vague but this is looking to Christ that has very practical definite outworking in your life Christian patience grows by keeping Christ's coming in view it is a certain coming it will be public but it is personal it will be glorious it will be soon but he will be judge so take heed life is short but eternity is long which do you have your eye on which are you living for eternity or today so there's the first thing then james teaches Christian patience grows by considering sufferers in scripture, verse ten as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord, so he sets before us the example of the prophets they're worthy patterns to be followed that 's what he 's saying. The prophets are, are good examples of patience because during trials brought on them by those who hated god what did they do they persevered in their callings jeremiah if you remember was imprisoned isaiah and some of the other prophets were martyred but they patiently spoke in the name of the lord they called israel to repent and and to embrace justice and mercy even as people stubbornly refused So having seen God's full revelation in Jesus, you can do the same. When, for standing on God's Word, you get cancelled by an unbelieving family member. Or you get the cold shoulder in the workplace or school. Or your children are slow to respond in obedience to you. Jesus says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So look to the suffering prophets in Scripture, James says. They're set before you as examples of patience, and they're worthy to be followed. You're blessed when you act like them. And the prophets are also set forth as an example in the sense of suffering is the common experience of all believers in all times you see so you look back and you see, hey they suffered too one of the ways you see satan tempts us to lose heart and to lose patience is to make us think we're the only one suffering and no one's had it quite as bad and we don't deserve it well all believers in all times suffer so look at the prophets. What does Peter say when he exhorts believers to faithfully resist the devil? Do you remember? First Peter 5, he says, resist knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You're not alone. Therefore, to grow us in patience, we look at the sufferers, in scripture as patterns to follow and to remind us that suffering is the common Christian experience and we can see by, by way of extension we can see scriptural examples around us in the church in the local church in the global church examples who encourage us to patience in affliction whether it's a, a Helen Rosevere, you, you heard of her Helen Rosevear she was a British medical missionary to the Congo. And she counted it, in her words, a privilege, a privilege, as she patiently endured multiple rapes and multiple beatings in her service to Christ. She counted it a privilege. Or it might be an example of, set by many of our own Calvary Grace members, Names come to mind, even as I think over what you have suffered and how well you have suffered. What examples you are. Ask those people that you know who have suffered and suffered well in this congregation and ask them how God has worked patience into their lives through the means of suffering. Patience, friends, is the evidence of authentic faith you can suffer stoically like the spouse who is wronged and simply keeps the anger bottled up but it'll come out in other ways that's not christian patience you can suffer courageously be brave in the face of injustice and oppression but you're driven by a sense of justice without christian patience because christian patience is tempered with mercy so james can say can't he Mercy triumphs over judgment, James chapter two. And, and so we look to the prophets, and then Job is given to us as, a, as another example. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast in us. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, James says. But if you know the story of Job, you know that after blessing the name of the Lord in his initial terrible losses, Of children and wealth and health he did become impatient with his friends he did become impatient with god at times and demanded that god explain his sufferings to him because job could see there was nothing in particular that he'd done wrong for them and yet all this was coming upon him and his friends are saying you must have sinned you must have sinned to cause that but of course, all the time, God is actually setting forth Job as an example of one who would not curse his name and trust him in the suffering. So, so Job did burst forth with, with impatience at times. Nevertheless, Job is still an excellent example for us because though he questioned God, he never gave up his faith. I know that my Redeemer lives. He had what we call steadfastness. That's what it says in the text. Steadfastness. Um, Stick to itness. Well, think of it like that. Stick to itness. Think of steadfastness. Paul Tripp says this patience with legs on it. Patience with legs on it. So in Job, we see that even some of God's great servants will not be perfect in patience until they're glorified. And you know it, don't you? When a difficult circumstance, a difficult suffering or trial goes on, like for Job, that's when patience can run thin, isn't it? We can bear up maybe for a little while, but then it goes on and on. And then patience wears thin. The question is, will you lose faith? That's the question. Will you be convicted of that fit of anger at the man who is honking at you? And will you repent and remember that you've got a bumper sticker across your life, which means that you represent King Jesus. And then by grace, you can exercise Christ-like patience and steadfastness like Job. So James teaches us that Number one, Christian patience grows by keeping Christ's coming in view. And number two, Christian patience grows by considering sufferers in Scripture. And then third and finally, Christian patience grows by seeing the purpose of the Lord. And it's there in verse 11. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. You see, this is linked to Job. It's off the back of talking about Job. You've seen the purpose of the Lord in the life of Job. Well, trials and suffering are not the main point of the book of Job. They're the context of the main point. The main point is the praise of God, most specifically his compassion and mercy. That's what James is telling us here about the book of Job. At the end of the book and at the end of Job's trials, God, if you remember, reveals himself to Job. In the whirlwind and he shows him great mercy in his suffering and he restores to Job what he had lost and more but do you remember what happens before the restoration before the restoration there must be a reconciliation there must be a reconciliation between Job and his friends friends who had acted like enemies towards him with harsh words and cold comfort and so God instructs them to ask Job to pray for them. And he basically says to Job, Pray for them. You've received mercy, Job, through me. Now show it to others. And so the full effect of Job's steadfastness through trials is not proven until he loves his enemies and prays for those who persecuted him. And so you go from James to Job to Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You see, greater than the mercy God showed Job in restoring his stuff, he showed Job mercy by transforming the man. And Job points us to Jesus, the only truly innocent sufferer, He's the only truly innocent sufferer who went to the cross to save enemies like you and me so we wouldn't have to suffer God's judgment but instead know his blessing and mercy forevermore. Jesus suffers so that one day we may never suffer again. That's the point of suffering, the mercy of God. Friends, God's great purpose is to show compassion and mercy to sin sick souls like you and me to sin sick souls like us and you know what when i look at this passage one that urges us to patience i feel oh how impatient i've been how impatient i've been i need your mercy jesus and that's what it comes back to isn't it Do you see yourself as needing mercy from Jesus here today, here this morning? It could be that you've been coming here for years and and you've never really received his mercy. You've resisted his will. You've shaken your fist at him when things haven't gone your way. You've never truly submitted to his lordship over all things. And you find yourself short-tempered instead of long-tempered and he's saying to you dear one do you not see through all of your disappointments and difficulties all along i've been saying to you aren't you tired let go of your anger and come trust in my son with all of your heart and as you hold on to him as you hold on to jesus he'll increasingly take away your impatience And replace it with his perfect patience that's what he's saying and friends you know what you get when this happens when 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 patience is formed in you and I really want you to note these two very important pastoral points you get personal stability and you get church unity You get personal stability and you get church unity. Your heart gets established. Remember he said that, establish your heart. Your heart gets established and you stand firm when trouble and conflict comes. You get stability, personal stability. And you get church unity. Because when grumbling ceases in the church, unity comes. Grumbling that divides a marriage and family and grumbling that divides a church family is replaced by long suffering and bearing with one another. What a a beautiful vision of patience we have the privilege to present to an impatient world. We have the privilege of presenting patience to an impatient world. Maybe you've been playing at being a Christian maybe you know today in this moment even as god is speaking to you maybe you know you're not a christian well jesus is saying to you i'm standing at the door as judge and i am coming soon be warned but jesus is also saying to you today as the apostle john records in revelation behold i stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. He wants to show you mercy today. So receive him now and let him work his beautiful patience into your life. As one, you look to his coming again. Two, you consider those who have suffered before you. And three, you see the purpose of the Lord. Oh, how compassionate and merciful he is. Doesn't matter what you've done. He can save you. The apostle Paul considered him, remember? He considered himself the worst of sinners. Worst of sinners. But do you remember how he puts it after that? But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Friends, if he can do it for Paul, he can do it for you. Let's pray. merciful Father convict us of our sin of impatience and drive us to the Lord Jesus Christ to receive fountains of mercy as we look to him to come again as we wait in this moment of suffering as we know the good work that you are doing in us in the waiting make us perfectly patient like him for it is in his name we pray amen well let's stand and let's sing together to finish well if you know the lord jesus christ as your lord and savior it is indeed well with your soul and jesus is coming again it is well with our souls. Jesus is coming again. We're in it together as we suffer in this life and we swim in oceans of mercy that he gives us every day and every hour. So receive this word from the Lord, this benediction. May you be strengthened with all power according to his gracious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It is well with your souls. Go in peace. You're dismissed.